And we're off. Just like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She's off to... <clears throat> somewhere. Somewhere. Hopefully much better than here. Yeah, well, you know, we hope that for everyone who passes on, except those who uh, were complete pieces of shit in their life. Which, yeah. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, you know, I wouldn't go that far. But I would go as nope. far as to say, she should have not been on the Supreme Court when she died. Mm-hmm, Yeah. She should have enjoyed her last few years not just desperately clinging to the frail thread that was the piece of dental floss between her and the Grim Reaper. Him just sawing away at it with the scythe, saying, Look, your seat could have been taken by somebody appointed by Obama. Could have happened. You could have said, I'm out. And it wouldn't have been a Merrick Garland scenario. As soon as he got elected, you should have just been like, peace. But hey, we're not here to speak ill of the dead. Right? Uh, not... Not usually, ah, but I wouldn't rule it out. Okay, well, in that case, um, we'll speak critically, but with um, you know, an amount of uh, of uh, deference, I suppose. It might be the wrong hmm. word. Okay. Um, you know, doesn't yeah. really matter. This might be the first podcast episode of any podcast being recorded since news of her death came out. I d- I doubt anyone mm. whose job it is to actually report on such things uh, was quicker to the quicker to the trigger than us quicker to the trigger yes actually we have a live update we're actually sitting next to her right now and we waited for the uh pulse to stop and we immediately pressed record yeah some might call us vultures i like to call us um buzzards Mm -hmm. i like to say we're thorough Uh uh-huh this does feel like a bad moment to start eating on mic should i not do that I mean, it's never a really good moment to eat on mic. Yeah. I don't think, because I'm going to have to go through and edit all the munching and the... the mm. I'll wait. Out. I'll wait on that then. Okay. I'm going to take a very loud we... sip of my wine. Mm, nice. Oh, yeah. What'd you end up uh, What'd you end up getting there, brother? So I'm drinking uh, Chateau Eugenie, um, the 2013 Cuvée Pierre Lagrand from Cahors mm-hmm. uh, uh, in France. France. Chateau Eugene Levy. Yeah, Chateau Eugene Levy. Um, <laughs> you know, I uh, I was actually um, trying to buy wine with two left feet, and I just kept turning in circles, they just over and over, and uh, mm. and uh, that's mm. you know that's, I once you know, accidentally I masturbated to Eugene Levy. Mm. How do you? Okay, two things. Uh, how do you accidentally masturbate, and how uh, do you masturbate to Eugene Levy? Uh, I don't know. Uh, he's not a really bad-looking guy. I'm not. I'm not trying to say he's not worth masturbating to. I mean, I think he's the. Kind, you'd have to be like into into his look. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not saying he's the most fucking handsome man ever. I'm also not saying he's a troll. I'm just saying he's uh he's got a he's got a you know I don't know a distinct set of facial features that you really have to to be seeking out. You know. It's funny. I've always thought of him as having a very sort of like straightforward face. Hmm. But hmm. Very thick hair. He does have thick hair. And now I got to look up a picture of him. Eugene. Did you? Uh, yeah, I might need a second here, over? buddy boy. Nice. Yeah. Hmm. This is not good. Maybe it's the eyebrows. Oh, his eyebrows are phenomenal. Very. The eyebrows hefty eyebrows. Yeah. Hmm. Nestor Carmel. How do you spell that? Oh, Car- Carbonell? Oh, yeah. No, that dude does have... Yeah, 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 you're right. Oh, you're not? Damn. I'm getting paper towels for the little For the listeners, Nestor Carbonell has the most preposterous eyelashes. We need to make the ultimate man. Nestor Carbonell's eyelashes with Eugene Levy's eyebrows and chin. Oh, yeah. Eugene Levy does have a great chin. Yeah. Man, uh, I didn't think that mug had anything in it. do we need? I mean, Eugene Levy cheap. does not have a pathetic nose. I'll also he say doesn't. that. I was he thinking has, nose also, but strong, uh, diversity. Strong. All right, well, what about what about cheekbones? Hmm. Cheekbones. Who's cheekbones? Ooh, I don't know. Cheekbones. Um, DiCaprio's got good cheekbones. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carbonell got good cheekbones. Carb Carbonell is that his name? Uh, could be. No, mm-hmm. not Leonardo DiCaprio. No. Uh, Carbonell. What's his first name? Ooh, uh, Nestor, Nestor. Nestor. Uh, you know, it's great. Tom Hiddleston's got good cheekbones. Um, Jude Law, Jude Law's got very good cheekbones. 
Yeah, I gotta look up these pictures. I don't actually know what these fucking people look like. Oh, Jude Law. Oh, yeah, he's got pretty good cheekbones. Who was the one before Jude Law that you said? Hmm. <laughs> oh, I don't remember. Oh, I'm just gonna search cheekbones. Cheekbones man. Cheekbones man. Yep, that man has very, uh, very exaggerated cheekbones. I mean, Johnny Depp's got good cheekbones. I must Google Johnny Depp cheekbones. He does. Yeah, all right. So Johnny Depp's che uh, cheekbones. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We need to create <laughs> the, Uber the ultimate man. <laughs> yeah. And Friedrich Nietzsche's yep. mustache. Yep. Yeah, that is one of the funny things about, like, any time people try to incorporate, like, Friedrich Nietzsche into, like, Nazi shit. Because uh, Nietzsche, not, Nietzsche was not a Nazi. Nietzsche, Nietzsche yep. was a... Uh, he was mostly incorporated into that shit via versions of his texts that were edited by his sister to more reflect her views because she was a she was yep. a garbage person. Um, mm -hmm. But Nietzsche himself, you could tell you can tell just by looking at a picture of him or a drawing or whatever the fuck that he wouldn't have been on board or that uh, Nazism was like trying to co-opt something from that guy because uh, maybe there may never have been in history two more. Um, Two more antithetical mustaches than uh, Nietzsche's and Hitler's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like to see uh, Titty Roosevelt and Titty Roosevelt. Nietzsche's Titty Roosevelt. Titty yeah. Roosevelt. Exactly. Uh, and Nietzsche's mustaches compared. Yeah, I'm trying to do the tab back and forth. I mean, they look similar, but I can't tell how much of it is just due to their 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 glasses and their mustaches in some of these pictures and their hair, the way their hair is done. So if you, like, got rid of all those things, you know, I don't think they would look... And if Roosevelt lost weight, you know, you know, I mean, that's significantly altering this man's appearance, but, uh, still. You are right, did you spill wine all over your computer? Uh, no, I spilled coffee everywhere, like, coffee from this morning. It was in a mug, oh. uh, just sitting on the, on the coffee table. Uh, you know, gotcha. that's, uh, that's not irony for anyone listening. That is not irony, that's coincidence. Um, spilling coffee on the coffee table. Um... No, yeah, your your description of how to make them look like each other was to vastly alter both of their appearance, which I I, I, I think mean, is it a was good just bit. Haircuts, sure. haircuts, mustaches, and glasses. That's, oh, that's not, true. Like, yeah, you're not, you're well, not giving them like surgery. All of that man. you got two white men. That's true. That's fair. Are you? Mm. Uh, yep. Should we yeah, just that start makes over? A loud noise. No, no. I think this has all been uh, highly disrespectful to Ruth Bader Ginsburg and <laughs> pretty funny. <laughs> Like, yeah, I think I think that's fair. Like someone listening to it would just be like, "What's going on?" Yeah. And then when they Why get to the point where they realize that I spilled coffee all over myself and my phone, uh, you know, I don't know. I I think it's funny. Yeah. All right, man. Uh. Oh yeah, because I started. Yeah, you told me the wine, and I started talking about Eugene Levy. Mm -hmm. Um. So I am drinking a um. So you said Kaur, right? Kaur, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. So did did you state that it was Malbec? Well, so, yes, uh, no, sorry, yes, it is Malbec. No, I didn't state that. Um, okay. I'm drinking a, it's 85% Malbec, 15% Merlot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the, the two, uh, uh, all right, so I'll, before we get into to that, uh, I'm drinking a um, Hedges Estate uh, uh, Malbec from uh, Red Mountain is the uh, AVA, the American Viticultural mm -hmm. Area, and uh, it's from 2011. And uh, it is very good. So I think, I don't know if this wine's been brought up before on the podcast, but uh, this is a wine that you have told me about buying yeah, from so this Oh, the, this Malbec? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. I, I bought this um, I bought this wine a couple months ago because I'm part of their uh, their uh, their wine club. So I'll get you know, three bottles, whatever, uh, twice a year. And... Because I went uh, when I went out to to Washington, there were a bunch of places where I was like, "Oh, these wines are really good," but this is the only place that I was like, oh, "Fuck, dude!" Yeah. Like these wines are very good. Also, I really like what they're doing and like their viticultural practices. They're very nice people. Yeah, I've and, I've actually um, um I think I've had their Dupont Syrah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Very good. Yeah, it's yummy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the wines are very they're for what they are very reasonably priced. I mean, like yeah, like I think the most expensive wine that they have like that's um like a current vintage release that i don't think you can even get unless you're a wine club member maybe or no i think it's part of allocations but you can buy but anyway it's like 55 or like 60 bucks yeah is the most expensive one they it's make. not even on their uh, it's, it's like, not even on their website yeah that's that that would be the um 
uh, the fucking Lot Haute Cuvée. Mm-hmm. And it's a cab, and there's a very, like, ridiculous kind of, like, ornate labeling on it. La yeah. I, I, for the record, for anyone listening to this, come at me. I love Hedges labels. I think they're great. They're oh, the they're most, great. They're the most faux old world, obviously, like... Like, you would think they're old world, but they're so over the top that if you thought about it hard enough, you're like, oh, no, this makes sense that this is new world kind of label. And it's yeah, great. Yeah. It's so much fun. Yeah, Lot de Cuvée. I so think, is there a Malbec only available to the wine club? Because I don't see it on their website. Yeah, 50 bucks is the Lot de Cuvée. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I bought it on their I bought it on their website. Um, they may yeah, not have yeah. any anymore. I guess they may not, be yeah. out of it. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I can email them and be like, hey, I want to get more of this shit. But, um, yeah, this was like a, a library wine of theirs. Um, but yeah, it's, and there's all the details on the back of it. 100% Malbec, um, from their state. Um, well, that... I think all of the, oh, sorry. sorry? Well, I remember you oh. mentioning that wine in the context of Malbec because, and we'll get into this, but it was a thing of, it was recommended to you, right? By one of the people at the tasting room. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I called up and I, um, because you know, they were sending me an email being like, oh, your whatever spring release is going to be like sent soon. I was like, oh, sweet. Oh, man. So um, I was like, oh, sweet. And then so I was looking on the site and I was like, actually, I, because I wanted to try these wines with age on them before. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I hadn't and I wanted to. So I was I like called up and I was like, hey, can I ask you something? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm looking at some of the library wines. And, um, you know, I was just like being me, being like, your wines are so good, you know? Yeah. Being like, I tell everybody about your fucking wines. Like, it, like I've been in multiple shops where people are walking around, like, looking at cabs, and I'm like, hey, fucking buy this. And they do, you know? And Because I'm like, if you see somebody who's, like, nuts and is like, hey, you should get this fucking wine. And you're like, okay. And then they, like, passionately talk to you about it for, like, five minutes. It's like, you don't, you don't even work there. It's like, all right, sweet. It's like, I think it was for their CMS blend. It's like 16 bucks. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? This person's raving to me about this wine. Like, it's got to be, you know, and they seem to know what they're talking about. Yeah. Sure. Um, but that one's also very, very good. But, um, yeah, so then I asked, and I, because I had, like, two in mind. And I was like, what do you think about this one? It was, like, an O2 or something like that of one of their, like, three vineyard wines. And I was like, hey, like, what do you think about this? Should I get this? And she was like, uh, she was like, yeah, yeah, we did, like, a vertical of, like, those wines, like, recently. And um, she was like, honestly like eh. i mean it's not bad it's just that like i think you would be much better off getting this other wine i'm like okay and so like tell me about it so she's talking to me about it and she like you know downsold me you know on a wine and that was this and i got another one too that was also very good but this one and uh yeah this shit is so good nice yes so uh thanks uh i forget her name i can find it in email or something but i'll probably make a post about this wine and uh i mean it'll be featured on the episode so there you go. But now I know their wines can age very well because they, I think they use, um, they use, um, yeah, it doesn't even taste like it. This is a third French oak and two thirds American oak and with like medium plus toast, 10 months in barrel. They put all this information on the back of it. Um, harvested, uh, October 28th. They made 75 cases of this. Um, yeah, they gave the alcohol content, the TA, the pH. That kind of shit. But, um, yeah, like, normally, I don't know if I have, like, wines with American oak on them. It's, like, Rioja, and the, the American oak is very prominent, and it's, like, all coconut and vanilla in your fucking face. And, like, it's not yeah. apparent in this at all. And, uh, it's just, it's very, it's very good. Um, alright, I can, yeah. I'll just, you know, sh- should we talk talking about what it, what it, like, tastes and smells like and shit, or should we just go into talking about Malbec in general? Any way you want to do it, buddy. Uh, right, so yeah. this is, like... So typically, and we'll get into this later, for me, all the Malbecs I've had, you know, they've been like good wines, you know, fine, but it's, it's all just kind of tastes like red wine. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like, it's not bad, but it's like, you know, nothing that I'm like, oh, dude, I had the best Malbec the other day, you know? Yeah. No, Malbec, Malbec is in some ways, I think, like people talk about, pe- people take the time to knock on Merlot for that quality. Mm-hmm. People yeah. don't even take the time to knock on Malbec for that yeah. unless they... Um, are kind of into wine as far as has been my experience. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, be- for that same reason, people who don't know as much about wine can kind of get into wine through Malbec because you can get an Argentinian Malbec that's like pretty good for mm-hmm. like $8. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I, don't, I didn't mean to derail where you were going with that. I was just 
so no, no, the, no, the, the it's just red wine kind of thing is oh yeah no totally very much a, it's it's very much one of those red wines where it like both yeah. suffers and succeeds for that you know uh designation yeah. and i think i think a lot of it is because of uh you know it could be a stylistic thing it could also be like you know i don't know like which one which one came first but just sort of malbec is not known for being at this point in time the most like uh, the wine that people when people go to think like oh I want to build a wine cellar or why don't I get a really age worthy wine to lay down the, their first choice is not typically Malbec yeah um, which I which you know I get makes sense a lot of them are sort of made just in kind of like a fruit forward ready to drink right now ripe style uh, and yeah. uh, I haven't had For, this when it's young but yeah. particularly New World ones I would say yeah 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 and uh, yeah no but this one's like definitely has fruit on it but it has this like. Uh, this real like elegance to it that if I you know if I was blind on this I would I might say some like really well made old world like Cab Franc or something mm-hmm. not yeah because it has sort of a um it has like a a vegetal not like a not like a bell pepper but it kind of has like a stemmy kind of yeah um savory like vegetal aspect to it yeah like that uh, is almost chewing on on like grass stalks or something yeah 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 kind of and it's not. It has that like I guess maybe that's what people call like spiciness, but I don't really associate that. I sort of more so mm-hmm. associate it with like whole cluster. Yeah, like a and, s- dry sweet basil. Yeah, 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 exactly. Mm-hmm. And so it has a really like uh, lifted aromatics. I don't yeah. know. I would be interested to you know know whether or not it was whole cluster or they did any whole cluster, but um, it has that like uh, chocolatey aspect to it that I don't I don't really tend to like that much mm-hmm. uh, in yep. a lot of wines. But this definitely has it in a really charming way. Like, there are some Merlots that I've had where they have that chocolatey character and it can be too heavy. But yep. some, when it's it's done well, like, if it's balanced with that sort of, like, minty menthol, menthol thing that, that Merlot can get, um, which this has, like, a lot of, it's so delicious. It's like, you know, having, like, a like a, like a chocolate peppermint candy. It's like there's that richness and there's that lift. And they complement each other so well. And that's what really this is like. Uh, and then it has that, like... Um, you know that like chalky purple fruit that certain like uh like like really well made cab has yeah where it has that like restrained purple like it's definitely prominent but it's that like uh I don't know the only thing I think of is like the chalky Flintstone vitamin kind of purple fruit yeah there's a well there's a different sort of t- t- like timbre uh of of that mm-hmm. kind of uh <laughs> flavor profile that I associate going back to the chocolate thing like really high mm-hmm. cacao quantity chocolate you know or percentage mm, mm-hmm. yeah um normally when you hit about 70 i find that you know chocolate mm-hmm. kind of becomes chalky and the texture gets weird and it breaks down and, yeah yeah but yeah. there are very weird or not weird i should say like very exceptional examples of like an 80 percent cacao you know uh chocolate you can have that is still mm-hmm. it doesn't sort of get um staticky like the flavor doesn't get mm-hmm. noisy and grainy and it maintains yeah. that velvety richness and there is like a sweetness to the back of it there's a r- slight richness matching that yeah. very sort of bitter like that that core flavor of chocolate and mm-hmm. um that is at least uh you talking about that made me realize that that was what I was part of what I was trying to identify with the one that I'm drinking is that Malbec can do that very high cacao mm-hmm. thing and I think that like with chocolate, it kind of relates to like how much richness you manage to pair with that and how well you manage to sort of draw out the flavors in a way that is, uh, for lack of a less vaunt or attempting to be poetic type word, lyrical, like still still has mm-hmm. a, con- a continuous sort of flow to it and doesn't get choppy yeah. because that, that I, I feel like is something that beleaguers big red wines is that they, they get very, um, they get very compartmentalized almost in your mouth um mm-hmm. and the tannins the tannins just dive one direction while the flavor sort of plows forward in a different direction than the uh you know and the alcohol is just like sloshing back and forth and all that but mm-hmm. um yeah yeah but i like the the one i'm i don't know about you but the one i the one i'm drinking is 12.5 percent alcohol yeah this is um 13.6 yeah but i so i, I would say like which is interesting because i think of Malbec as a slightly, not hot climate, but more like, Mm -hmm. more, um, like it's, in terms of like its development, it needs more heat and sun than um, some other wines that like, like 
it doesn't it's one of those bigger reds that develops more slowly on the vine from my understanding mm-hmm. as far mm-hmm. as that grape goes quite rudimentary yeah but, like you know a, a oh wow a big red like a big profile red in washington to mm-hmm. come out at 13.6 is like it's notable because you can you can get a you can get a 15 percent uh washington oh, state red wine without working very very, very easily yeah 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 uh yeah no this is it's it's cool because this also uh, i'm looking at it and it says it's a hundred percent new oak wow which uh does not smell like it or taste like it at all yeah that's pretty crazy yeah like 67 percent new american oak is fucking wild yeah um but yeah uh, all new oak yeah, and no, it, it's, it's a 60 to 70 percent american yeah that yeah. that's so pretty intense oh we i think we've, no, dude, we've it's, talked it's, about american so... oak before i think but in case like for yeah. anyone listening on the rio episode yeah um yeah. but like american oak tends to be more intense and um impactful in terms of tannins than french yeah. french oak mm-hmm. um yeah toast tends to have a t- tends to have a different sort of uh uh vigor to it you know it, it comes mm-hmm. off as somewhat more astringent which, when you have a bigger wine that needs more, um, more, you know, uh, grape or must tannin bound up, uh, is really important. But, um, but certainly with, you know, like, like with varietals like Pinot or, or um, ooh, uh, Pinot or say, I mean, Gamay is not a great example because like people like using oak at all on Gamay is kind of the the surprising thing. But, um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, with Pinot, it's, it, it tends to be pretty apparent when somebody uses American oak. I think it, it's more common with like Syrahs and uh, at least in uh, in America, um, yeah, people yeah. who make Syrahs and, and uh, Tempranillo and other like bigger red varietals from yeah. warmer parts of mm-hmm. Europe use American oak. But yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a much more uh, uh, sort of dominant flavor or can tend to be. Yeah, and. Uh... I don't know, but it's it's one of those things that like it's like when you're when you're cooking with a and like a really strong herb, yeah. Like using like tarragon or something like that. Oh yeah. You know, it's 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 very easy to overdo, and I know it's not a one to one analogy here, but it's 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 the kind of thing where you know if you're deciding how much like new oak you want to use, especially like American oak on something, you know, you have to be you know you know judicious. Yeah, I I would compare it to nutmeg. Okay. Because like yeah. if you use too much nutmeg, you mm-hmm. just end up with something that tastes metallic. Like it changes the mm-hmm. impact pretty quickly. Yeah. But if you're yeah. cooking with the right dish, it sort of knits into it pretty well. Or yeah. maybe maybe that you say maybe that. curry would be a good example for that. Fresh nutmeg on here. Ooh, delicious. Mm. And that's the kind of spice that I like in in uh, Malbecs or in wines. And people say like, ooh, it's spicy. Yeah. It's like I mean, Syrahs can have that like that peppery note to it, but um. The, the 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 spices in terms of like you know sometimes you'll get over that with like artificial baking spices and stuff but like fresh nutmeg is not really something you get out of a barrel you know that yeah. at least typically I've experienced yeah no so I, yeah uh, that that's probably coming more from the from the the grape itself in mm-hmm. this case um, yeah because fresh nutmeg definitely has that like uh, it, it's unique you know it has that like bright freshness and it's not just like yeah. A, doesn't taste like a or smell like a roasted. No, it's a it's like a fascinating a, spice. Like it's, yeah, yeah. God damn. But yeah. But anyway, uh, what what about yours? Oh, uh, so mine mine it definitely has that like deep high high percentage cacao quality. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got like a, of, like the chalkiness or whatever. Some of the chalkiness, but then that 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 flavor that you know is in the, the that core flavor in chocolate at that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that like weird sort of red sweet uh, hmm. f- flavor, not like sweetness. Yeah. Um, and then it's it, it's got sort of like a you know it's got like currants and um, and tannins for days. Like it's incredibly tannic wine. Um, hmm. But overall, yeah, just a very like it, it's got a little bit of gaminess to it as well. You know, it's got that sort mm-hmm. of syrah, and, and that's you know it's mine's a thirteen, so it's got some age on it that's allowed that to develop mm-hmm. like it's got that leathery um leathery uh i don't know the best like yeah i can see like new leather yeah yeah it's 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 a uh like leather oil as you're oiling it um yeah 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 because because it's it it's not meat like it's not it, but yeah. maybe 
Does it smell like, like, like when you walk into like a, a store that, that only sells things that are made out of leather? Yeah, a bit. Like yeah. worn leather. Mm-hmm. Like that like sweetness to it? You yeah, mean? that, um, yeah, that, that, that slightly musty, but still fresh smell, which it, mm-hmm. not to contradict it, but musky maybe is the word, um, mm-hmm. but bloody as well, you know, uh, like Ooh, high, yeah, yeah. high iron content smell. Um, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really good. It's, it's certainly got, so a uh, thing that I think, you know, we will have to do another Malbec episode focused on yeah. Argent, Argentina, Argentina, oh, Argentina, yeah. um, the Argentine space, the Pampas, mm-hmm. um, uh, <laughs> cause Malbec has become increasingly associated with Argentina, um, which is one of the, uh-huh. so uh, Argentina, Chile, uh, Uruguay have all, I would say are the three most celebrated, like South American wine producers at this point, Argentina being the leader mm-hmm. among those mostly because of Malbec. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Chile is like a close. Second. Yeah. in Chile, I think there's more diversity, um, but mm-hmm. Chile is pretty well known for producing, um, very serviceable, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon at, at volume, um, doing a lot of Carmenere, which is, uh, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. 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 Yeah. Uh, we'll, yep. we'll do an episode about Carmenere someday. Um, and then there's some really interesting, like, I mean, Chile and Argentina both geographically, um, have like, like France is diverse north to south, east to west in all kinds of ways that create huge diversity in the, uh, the wine that's made in France. Chile is diverse, uh, north to south in a way that produces huge, uh, diversity in literally everything Mm -hmm. that they do, uh, agriculturally. And... Because of that, there are some regions of Chile that produce amazing Chardonnays and Pinot Noirs and, um, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, and then Uruguay has become really well-known for Tanat. And they grow other wines yeah. as well, but... And some Pinot, too, I think. Uh, yeah, I've, I've not, like, I've not had a chance to try much um, uh, Uruguayan wine at all. But, um, but it is funny to me how, like, certainly, like, Chile with Carmenere, um, Argentina with Malbec and Uruguay with Tanat, they've each managed to stake out like some sort of claim with those varietals that no other area really like had going for it. And if uh-huh. done enough with each of those to like become associated with that varietal in a pretty significant way, which, uh, you mm-hmm. know, I, I'm mostly just speaking to my, my, uh, gloss on what I take the the, un, the the generalized understanding to be, which is always a sort of a dubious practice in any context uh-huh. whatsoever. But it's yeah, it's yeah. a it's a pretty um it's it's an ownership of a varietal that I don't think other New World places have. Well, um that's not that's not I fair. Mean, I, New Zealand with Sauvignon Blanc, uh, you know, you could mm-hmm. say that about and they're you yeah. know, certainly like Semion in Australia or um or Australian Shiraz are also I would say Shiraz, could, yeah. I mean well, most people don't even know what Semion that's is. That's true, but you know, once you get into the wine world people people give Australia a oh, lot yeah. of a lot of credit with Semion. And then if you d- dive deeper into it, I, I suppose like uh, sparkling wine out of Tasmania is something I've heard quite a few people talk mm-hmm. about. But yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, I suppose Shiraz would be the other one. So I guess I guess I don't know, just in the like politically speaking South America so often gets passed over as like a serious region of the world, mm-hmm. uh, which is unfair for um, just myriad reasons and something that is completely, you know, colonialist and um, Eurocentric generally. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to wine, I think it's very cool that those, you know, that Argentina, like it basically, I'm just winding back around to saying we couldn't do any episode about Malbec and not acknowledge Argentina's influence on it as a, uh, as a varietal in in general right, right. perception at this point yeah 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 and we can do an argentinian argentinian like pinot or shard episode or whatever at a later yeah no well, we're gonna um, we're gonna have to dive into various different um yeah. regions takes on things we've already done maybe more than one episode on get ready for when yeah, this yeah. podcast gets as well funded as we want for it to be and we do nothing but drink uh burgundian white wine and explain why we needed to go to that specific village that time yeah. Buy all the wine and do. Or we're just drinking Bodega Chakras Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. 
which is Chardonnay made in uh, Argentina, uh, who's and the consultant is Rouleau. Oh, so, hell yeah. Hell yeah, and, baby. And the guy who started that place is the same guy who owns Sasakaya, I think. Oh, cool. The big chakra. Yeah, no, the Pinots are so... Actually, the, the Pinots and the Shards are both really good. Um, they're hard to find, but um, you can find them if you, if, you, if you search and probably have to order online. But, um, you know... With that uh, Patreon money, got all those wines that are right oh, there with you there. So. You were. <laughs> Damn, man. You have to keep collecting all the patrons. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get there. Wait, did you not? Yeah. Did you use the Patreon money just to get the wines that you sent me? Yeah. Oh, God damn it, man. <laughs> Listen, man. I didn't understand that <laughs> at the time. Uh, yeah. God. Yeah. In case, in case, uh, in case anyone listening hasn't figured it out yet, I'm the dumb one <laughs> in this... <laughs> In this Incorrect. in this uh, situation, <laughs> Tom can say, "I'm sending you four bottles of wine," and I'll be like, "Cool!" Like, I guess you're also getting those for yourself, so we can do the episode with the Patreon money. That makes sense, and then not think about how like, much no, wine already, costs. I already already bought those. Well, for me, I guess the next round of Patreon money is gonna be going to you, there, buddy boy. We're just gonna have to. Mm, we'll see. Well, we'll figure out. We'll what see. To, I we'll mean, figure it's... out how to how to redress that. We'll figure out more how people. It's, how it's going. Uh, to be clear, this is as much as I'm trying to be um, self-deprecating here. Uh, you, the listener, this is your fault if you are not subscribed to the Patreon. Mm, so interesting if, take. Yeah, I I <laughs> have I have the powers of blame uh, previously mm. reserved for the American media for being uh, mm. completely uh, nonsensical and and yep. uh, highly personalized. So um, mm-hmm. you. Uh, Toddle your sweet little ass down to patreon.com slash cork taint yep. and uh, yep. and uh, sign up for uh, for whatever tier best describes your um your kink. Yeah, that's the that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> and uh yeah, man. I don't know. Keep plugging as much as we can, and I think the adding that uh uh, we, we we can talk about that after, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no. So I think one thing that uh, so so I'm really I'm really glad that I really like this wine, and it's interesting because it definitely has like tannic structure yep. to it and acid too. It's got a lot of acid, yep. and it's um, it's cool. They have the the like growing degree days on here. Man, I, so, the, so, their uh, their do, label, I I love their label so much. It's just dude, their labels are it's so, so cool. extra. You know, it's just yeah. <laughs> it's it's well. It was much more res- like this one's this <clears throat> label is very reserved, but like the the load cuvee mm-hmm. is like the most ridiculous. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. it's so for yeah. for anyone who's not gone and googled this already, you know, how it's like if you get a full avocado instead of just half an avocado on something that you order at a at a restaurant, you're like, wow, that's extra. <laughs> Hedges labels are like getting an avocado and a half. Yeah, <laughs> it's just perfect. Very well put. Yeah. These these millennial type analogies I gotta make. You gotta fucking do it. <laughs> I think it was so funny how before like we were on the phone and I was like talking to my mom <laughs> and I was like doing I don't know like it, it, like half of a New York accent for like <laughs> two seconds and you're like there's no way you actually talk of it like that you know and I'm like no this is literally I'm not even I'm not this even, is just my fucking voice I'm not even voice. going for it right now buddy <laughs> I'm not even fucking trying here I'm not even fucking trying here. <laughs> Oh, dude, there was some really funny shit today. It's always with contractors, and, like, like we pulled up. They were just completely blocking the road, and, like, I'm not even fucking with you. We pulled up. It's on this dirt road because they're at this one job we were leaving, but there was, like, six of them standing around just ha- having coffee, just eating donuts. Just being like, hey. <laughs> yeah, you, you, no, you got to fucking, you got to go the other way. <laughs> I'm like, yes, this is, I'm simultaneously furious yet tickled. <laughs> You know? I love that. Like, I love just, that feeling, man. Uh, they're, they're like, wow, these guys are such assholes. But like, man, this is really, this is it. Yeah, it's, it's where you hit that that <laughs> moment of seeing someone behaving in a way that is infuriating and you know will destroy the world and just deeply envying them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. Like, I want to do that so goddamn bad. <laughs> right. Just operating in a universe where that thing is... Like not not only just like okay to you, but like like you're comfortable doing oh, it. That's you know, and it's just mm, like <laughs> that's how I feel. Mm. Uh, what I there? This wine is so good. I mean, mine is. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep most of it just uh under the cork for the evening, and 
drinking tomorrow because yeah. I, I, I expect it to really like open up a bit and be even better but it's excellent today mm-hmm. um nice but that's awesome man i think it just needs time then that's one of the things like, like even yeah it's it's a oh sorry but go for it no i was gonna say even like with with most like big wines that i just kind of find them like so i mean so it's hard because there's a difference like like I was saying, since I don't work at that wine shop anymore, I've been having to like totally, or I had to like totally reevaluate the way I bought wine because I could just be like, oh, that wine's awesome. It's like 50 bucks. Boom. Buy it at cost, you know, you know, or like, you know, 40 bucks or whatever. Cut, you know, cut it down way cheaper. Boom. You just walk out. And now it's like, I'm not spending that much money on a bottle. So it's like, all right, well, how am I going to do this? And so finding wines that like are $15, like that Cab Franc that I, that, uh, I had when we mm-hmm. did that episode, that was so fucking good. Yeah. And you know, and so just walking around stores and it's like, you know, you almost, you, you just have, you totally like, uh, block out in your mind the butter Chardonnays and like, you don't even acknowledge that as like something on the <laughs> shelf, you know, but like, <laughs> uh, in case, no, that's in case you're wondering, yeah. um, he's not referring to buttery style Chardonnays. There is a Chardonnay called butter. <laughs> yeah. Like that's and, the only, uh, that's yes. the, wor- that's the biggest word on the label. Yes. I, 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 because, uh, it's. Even if everyone who listened to this episode already knew that, and I know you already knew that, it, it needs to be pointed out as a thing that um, needs to be pointed out, I guess, you know? it's Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Don't it's let people fucking... get away with that shit. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. No, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, so there are a lot of wines, and it's hard to say, like, what, like, what is a well-made wine, you know? But you have to just know producers, but even then, like, um, like I was telling you with my friend Steve who, you know, do dinners with him and he's just like, yeah, no, I bought a whole bunch of this like quote unquote, like shitty kind of wine like years ago. And it's like, let's just, let's just see. And, and, uh, like I went with him and I was like clean, helping him like go through, he's like, I don't know what half the shit is down here. Help me like sort this stuff out. So we went through and he's got a bunch of wine down there and there's like a, like a treats shelf that like we call where there's like this one shelf where it's all like, I don't know, like a, it's like a bogle like uh like red blend mm. you know from like 2002 or something and it's like this is either going to be horrific or it's going to be very 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 good and uh it was the latter like it was it was very good like i'm not even being like uh you know i'm not trying to like exaggerate or whatever you're not trying to but it was like trying to, to wax wax their bogle i'm not i'm not trying to nope <laughs> i am not that is a wine i would not touch i would not waste my money on that but for that bottle of 2002 Bogle that was in his basement that's, like, like ideal conditions to age mm-hmm. wine in. He doesn't have temperature control. It's just, like, a good cellar. Yeah. was so good. And it's like, wow. Ooh. People are like, yeah, 99% was of it, wines aren't Was it a Cab Sauv or a Merlot? Uh, or a Zin? I think it was a Zin. Oh, I think it was a, yeah, a Zin. Yeah, their Zinfandel is a very recognizable label. Um, for anyone listening, you've probably seen it. It's a goblet. It's it's actually a good example of goblet style training for a head trained vine. Um, mm-hmm. It looks like a sort of like a, a witch's hand. Uh, yeah. Um, it's just a vine growing up. Uh, Grasping for children's chins. Styrates. Oh, well, because hey, the witch that's loves a, sweetbreads. Yeah. Yeah. Good, yeah. Uh, good synchronicity there. Uh, yeah. For anyone else listening, and also for you, buddy, please go to boglewinery.com. And note the button up in the top right corner of your webpage. Click on it, and, mmm, yes. Oh, would you be perhaps referring to the Bogle and Pizza? Yes, that is what it is. Where you, yes, wow, yeah. God the image damn of, it. A, of a, an America made out of pizza. <laughs> yeah, God damn it. <laughs> These fucking people. Mm. And I'll be damned if it doesn't make me hungry, because I, like, just ate <laughs> dinner a half hour ago. And uh, now I want to eat that pizza. You just want to eat Florida as its own little little yeah. handle of a slice of pizza. Crusty dick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I'll be honest. The Midwest and the uh, the north, the two Midwestern slices uh, yeah. in the north, just normal slices of pizza. One's just like a trainer crust, and yeah. the one yeah. that is supposed to be Texas appears to have chili on it. <laughs> yep, just chili, chili and cheese on it. Yep, because that's Texas style. Texas style. Ooh, <laughs> Texas style. Texas style. Obesity. In case anyone boom uh, would would lack an insight into how my brain works, I heard Texas style and thought of old school, and then thought of a frog. 
comparing its penis to bars of candy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, nobody's going to get That's that. That's literally, we're the only two people in the world. <laughs> Old school. Old school. Um, that's just the kind of inside joke you listen to this podcast for. You'll have to wait for Boone's novel to come yeah. out in 35 years. Hey, if you subscribe to the be... Patreon, maybe I'll post a couple chapters there for you. That's true. Wow. That would really be, be a treat. <laughs> that would be so good. Swear it all. And it's just, it's just the fucking Jimmy George <laughs> thing. It's like it's like my description of a panic attack on a subway train using one syllable words. Yes. Yeah, it's just a whole page. It's like, all right, I'm gonna go take some albuterol. <laughs> I'll be back in a be back in a minute. <laughs> gonna go. Uh, I gotta go. I got these. I got these proprietary. Uh, what what was that drug's name? Uh, albuterol. Uh, cocaine. Oh, albuterol. What was it? Albuterol. Mm. Just thinking of albuterol suppositum. Just take. Wow. But just taking them on a subway, <laughs> in front of people. Yeah, that would. Yeah, you could. Um, you could try that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why the fuck were we going with this? Oh, Bogle. Right. <laughs> um. <laughs> the only, only, the only reason uh, I remember Bogle that is I looked over and saw United of... States, of, <laughs> United States of pizza. Yep. But anyway, so yeah, like that, like that wine, mm-hmm. right? No, as as you put it, that wine has no excuse being any good to drink. Yeah. You know, like it has, like, why would that be good? It probably was not good when you first got mm-hmm. it. And, you know, in terms of just being like an objectively like, wow, it, like, think, let's think about this analytically. Is this a good wine? And then uh, I might say probably would have been like, no, I mean, it's like kind of fun, I guess. But like, it, I don't want it. You know, I don't want a glass of that. But we drank that bottle. And had it with like we had, we made some like risotto with it, mm. and it like I think it was like like uh, either like butternut squash risotto or like some mushroom risotto. Not and it spaghetti was, like, squash. Of no, <laughs> don't you fucking start. <laughs> no, it was a it, it was a like very refined accompaniment to um to like a mushroom risotto. Yeah, and I was like son of a bitch. Yep, Zinfandel like eighteen year old Zinfandel from like like. A not a you know big yeah. name cult producer. Or whatever. No, no, a a a a, a so. uh, what's it? A cable TV producer. You know. Right, right. That one that would be like you would find that wine, and you do find that wine stacked up on the floor, like cases of it just stacked up on the floor, because yeah. they're like we're not even going to bother bother like restocking this. Yeah. It's not worth the time. Yep. To restock this, but um, so that's not to like praise Bogle. I mean, it was good. It's that's not to, like praise them or say something about them being like some bizarre exception, but like. If, sort of the narrative that like 99% of wines are not meant to age what does that even fucking mean like does that mean that that the winemaker is not intending for them to be cellared for a long time that's exactly I think like well actually sorry I shouldn't have cut you off but no 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 but I mean it's it's like like winemakers like even let's say you're making a drink and now wine Mm -hmm. right you must know that like if you've had kept any sort of library of your wines whatsoever you know, in your in your like library, like your cellar is good. You must open up some of those 10, 15 year old wines that are like cabs or zins or whatever, and be like, "Damn, this is good." Yeah. So like, is is what you're saying like, by saying they're not in quote unquote intended to age? Does that just mean that like you just want to sell the wine quickly? I, so I, I think that's exactly what it is, man. I think and and the the crazy thing about wine that is so great is it overcomes that I, like. A significant percentage of the time, I I wouldn't say like the inverse is true that ninety nine percent of wines can age, but yeah, so much wine can age so much more than you're given to expect it to. Like, yeah, and and yeah, and, yeah. you know, t- to the point you're making, like people, I think, kind of um have it wound up in their heads that there is some precise truth to the aging of wine, and yeah. really, wine kind of falls into three categories it's good it's good young and goes bad at a certain point um Mm -hmm. it's good in phases of its life that are these windows of its uh internal polymerization which you know knit together and then unknit and then together to be really really wonderful to drink and then Mm -hmm. wine is pretty unapproachable for a long time and then becomes amazing and then there's this sort of exultant uh ideal you know, grail wine type fourth place where the wine starts good, stays good, and is good, you know, until your grandkids are drinking it at your wake or something like that. Like, yeah. But 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 those wines are truly rare. The wines that are both made to be drunk, young, and then age, 
that's that's a very special thing um yeah, which yeah. completely exists like that's that's worth noting uh but all three of those categories like the only one of those categories that has like a any really specified relationship to price that is uh at all predictable or um comprehensible is wines that uh are designed to be good young and then not survive mm-hmm. all that long and those will yeah. be cheap like that's <clears throat> the that's the one you can count on is that like a certain whole yeah. class of wines are not going to be that expensive because people are like yeah it's going to be bad in three years yeah i mean is there is there this is sort of ties into what i want to talk to you about like later mm. but are there any like drink now wines that cost 130 dollars um i mean i mean all right sorry, sorry sorry i'll put it this way are there wines that are advertised as drink now wines that are that are you know 130 dollars a bottle because there's certainly a lot, a lot of wines that you know you can pay that much for that will not age well like they'll just fall yeah. apart uh yeah that's certainly true um but none that i'm aware of i don't think that exists because people who are like you basically as a business model can't be selling a small amount of wine that way and yeah. if you're selling a big amount of wine you're not going to be able to like i this feels like one of those things that it feels like one of those places where a uh, microeconomics like class actually, you know, has something to to of value to say. Uh, uh-huh. I tend to be of the opinion that that is almost never the case. But in the in in the idea of like a like for pretty like obvious market force reasons, um, that approach would kind of uh, trip over its own dick. Mm-hmm. Not uh, like it. It's I think so. The closest example I can think of to that, right? Because they're so yeah. is uh, Sinequinon's, um rosé, which I believe is four hundred thirty dollars a bottle. Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't know if that's true, but but there so there are like really expensive rosés out there. Uh, mm-hmm. That and rosé can age. I think I think it does sometimes, yeah. but mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Generally, I would say. Rosé is an example of a non-aging wine. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely, it definitely depends. But I mean, if you're gonna talk about aging rosé, you're not gonna like lay it down for like twenty years or something, like you would with like a like a Mavedra or some like or Nebbiolo or you know like a more much more tannic wine. Yeah, yeah, and um, that I know of. Yeah, and there are there are expensive uh there are expensive rosés out there. Um. But then you get into this whole conversation about, like, what is a non-age-worthy wine? Because, you know, uh, a, a Sauvignon Blanc, right, from New Zealand, nobody's going to tell you to, like, age uh, Marlboro for, uh, mm-hmm. well, sorry, sorry, like, Montana for Marlboro for t- 10 years before you drink it. like Or that you can save it that long before drinking. Maybe you yeah, can. Yeah. I don't know anyone who's done that or has any experience with that. Um Mm-hmm. But that's certainly not what people are suggesting. But on the flip side of that, you have a producer like Dagano making Sauvignon Blanc that definitely can age for quite a while. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. then the question becomes like, well, like like what you were saying, how much does the intention around the winemaking matter? And it is, I think at that point, more a question of how somebody is intending to market the wine than how somebody is intending to make the wine. Mm-hmm. Because everybody <clears throat> who makes wine makes wine with the intention that it be good. Yeah. Like as f- I've never met somebody who cares about making wine that doesn't want to make wine that they can be proud of people drinking. Mm-hmm. Certainly not with the title of winemaker. Uh Yeah. I have met people who despite that feeling are constrained by the material conditions of the marketing aspect of the business they work for. And that is mm-hmm. you know so you know uh well uh, this is one of those places where my thought process collapsed because i introduced an idea that i i want to talk about but i don't know if it actually worked in that time um hmm. pinot gris is not a i would i don't know of any like writing about wine that talks about pinot gris as an age-worthy varietal uh maybe that mm-hmm. exists but i like i don't know of any marketing that goes into pinot gris well re- really that much at all but certainly not as like a variety worth aging or varietal worth aging but there are, yeah, there are yeah. some really incredible Pinot Gris out there, particularly Oregonian Pinot Gris, that age amazingly. Like, really, really yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Like, I've heard of people having, like, 
20-year-old Pinot Gris and them just being spectacular. Um, hmm. Like, I personally have had, like, 10-year-old Pinot Gris that are amazing. And, hmm. you know, it, it's not... It's not a varietal that you can afford to make with the normal things that you do to doing the things that you normally do to a wine to make it sort of more stable for aging. Um, Yeah, because there there are real considerations there, like especially with white winemaking. And this this gets into a little bit of like this is not like um, this gets into both jargon and and wine mechanics in a way that, you know, uh, it's not it's not hard. It's just not something that like you know you're going to be told by a wine steward at a at a at a grocery store or have it explained yeah, very yeah. thoroughly but um particularly with white wines there's something called malolactic well sorry particularly with white wines is it a consideration at this point um basically all red wines that i'm aware of that you'd normally be buying in a store go through some level of this but there's something called malolactic fermentation which is second secondary fermentation and it's a fermentation that converts malic acid in wine to lactic acid. And it is not actually done by yeast. It's done by bacterial organisms. Um, I, th- I think I'm, that's one of those little facts that I'm constantly forgetting and doubting myself on. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that that fermentation is one of those sort of like false fermentations. Like it's called a fermentation, but in some taxonomy mm-hmm. of what fermentation actually is as a process doesn't count. But mm-hmm. it's the conversion of malic acid to lactic acid in wine. Which is important because malic acid is much more volatile and much less so much less stable. So if you age a wine with malic acid in it, there's a much higher chance that the acid will, in the polymerization of the wine over time, degrade and uh, basically contribute to some sort of weird chemical reaction in the wine that deteriorates it. Uh, hmm. Whereas if malic acid has been converted into lactic acid, lactic acid is much more stable and changes the sort of um, perception of the wine. It moves it from so malic acid is very present in green apples. Like uh, a a slightly underripe Granny Smith apple is the quintessential like ma- malic acid flavor, which is why that flavor is commonly associated with uh, drink early white wines. White wines that are meant to be aged are usually put through malolactic fermentation, at, and sometimes partially, mm-hmm. sometimes fully. It really depends um, on on what the winemaker intends, on what on what the uh, expectation for marketing is. All kinds of different factors. Um, as far as I know, most Chardonnay at this point. So malolactic fermentation contributes to some other like it. It combines with some other pretty interesting fermentation mechanics one of which is the production of diet uh diacetyl which mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned butter earlier the the uh, <laughs> chardonnay yeah. brand the buttery quality in chardonnay is the product of a different fermentation like sort of uh vector that produces diacetyl and if you let diacetyl ferment through fully it will eventually i think just turn into alcohol and some other compound that's not that offensive or you can sort of prevent that from happening by preventing the production of diacetyl. But, uh, mm-hmm. and that that's all, if you're interested in that, you can sort of look into it and figure out how I'm wrong and how I'm describing it um, and all that stuff. Dear sweet listener who wants to prove me to be a, a dumb chump that you don't have to listen to, but uh, whose Patreon uh, you subscribe to and give money to so that you can then own by pointing out the things that... Uh, you know, are set on this podcast that are completely incorrect. Um, Mm -hmm. But you can arrest diacetyl fermentation at a certain point by um, dropping the temperature in the wine really uh, precipitously, and that will stop the the microorganisms because all all of these processes of fermentation and sort of pseudo-false fermentation require living organisms to conduct them, and uh, you can kill them by, you know, dropping the temperature very suddenly um and then so to produce butter like the the chardonnay called butter chardonnay formerly known as butter um (laughs) that takes some incredibly incredibly powerful equipment quite expensive equipment and some very precise winemaking because diacetyl fermentations happen at a shorter scale i believe and again i don't know if it's technically a true fermentation or a one of those like weird false fermentations that other organisms but um it happens in a matter of hours so there is a specific window where you have to just basically stop that and then you get that very pop you know uh fake movie theater popcorn butter flavor that is diacetyl uh because it's at peak diacetyl Mm -hmm. production or or whatever level you wanted 
I guess. Uh, like the wine is right there in that sweet spot or buttery spot, as it were. Yeah. Um. So that like that's a very nerdy, uh, overly specific like wine walk case, but to the to the idea of like wines that are not meant to be aged a huge amount of wine is produced and that's one of the other problems is like so much of the percentage of wine produced is like carlo rossi or or franzia or 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 yellowtail yeah. and and there is a factor in all of those wines that is something that i think people should really i think it's worth people going out and trying those wines you know if you haven't in a while because you can mm-hmm. taste the separation of things like acid and tannin and flavor yeah. they're very very sort of compartmentalized because Mm -hmm. they're reconstituted out of sort of a base product that had to be knitted back together uh, once things were separated out and then chemically corrected and i'm I'm not saying that the people who do that work aren't very good at their jobs and and very Mm -hmm. very skilled individuals who have a very deep knowledge of what goes into wine and how wine works but they're Mm -hmm. doing a fundamentally different thing than making wine as a direct relationship with uh grapevines which is yeah um which which is a very imprecise and very sort of special thing but does increasingly account for a smaller and smaller proportion of uh of wine sales but if that's the case like if that's what somebody's doing if they're relating directly to the 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 grapevine i don't think you would come across many people who do that who care about what vineyards they work with and 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 what they're doing with grapes raw grapes who would uh-huh. ever say they don't want people to try to age their wines. They would admit that some of the wines right. they make aren't as good for aging, but they. I, I think it's very rare to come across somebody who makes that kind of wine who uh, doesn't hope that somebody will sell her their, their wine for a while. Because that's the thing. It's like you yeah. can't predict it. That's the, that's the great thing about aging wine. You can buy the best bottles of wine in the world, and it might not age that well for all kinds of reasons that are within someone's control. Like you were talking about Steve Seller, it's a good seller. It's really, really important. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the main factor is keeping a bottle of wine in the same place for as long as possible before drinking it and not letting its temperature yeah. fluctuate too wildly or anything. But uh, mm-hmm. but you could do that, and it would still, you know, it could still potentially be uh, piss water when you pour it out. <laughs> oh, 100%. And there have been many bottles of piss water that we have dumped down the drain, but many more than you would think have been like, wow, this is fucking delicious. Yeah, because that's the thing. Wine, you know, as a product is much more forgiving than... Uh, then I think people expect, and that's part of why it's so culturally significant, like why it's such a strong cultural signifier. Because, yeah. you know, people have been making wine since, well, just in the case of like what I'm drinking, Cahor, uh, they've been making mm-hmm. wine there since 50 BC. Like the, it was like, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the vines were first introduced <laughs> to that region by the, by the Romans. Yeah. And like they put it there because grapes were something that Roman legions took with them to pl- two different places and put in as a as a, as far as I'm aware it was like a settling technique. It was part of how the world was civilized hmm. by by the Roman uh by the Roman well republic and then empire. Yeah. Um hmm. yeah. Um it's a I mean there's, there's a crazy history to wine that i i know only like tiny bits and pieces of but uh but the romans they really uh they really they're the reason it's you know all over europe and wine you know the, the relationship between wine the roman empire and then wine in our current situation is a good insight into uh the brilliant philip k dick line the empire never ended sorry yeah. i just had a moment of realizing yeah. that i went on a very long rant there that was actually about wine which uh I've done a couple times, but usually yeah. when I when you let me talk that long, at some point I mentioned that you know, uh, Alan Dulles killed JFK or some shit like that. <laughs> no, no, no. And I was gonna cut you off a couple times, but then I was like, uh, no, I think he's I think he's going somewhere productive with this soon. <laughs> and then you did. Hey, so. that was very good, buddy. Thank you for having faith in me, buddy boy. Yeah, yeah man, of course. Someone's but... <laughs> gotta. Well, actually, that's not true. But I'm glad that you do. <laughs> What, what did I you said say? somebody's got to have faith in me, but you know that's not true. Oh. But I'm glad that you do. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Nobody, has nobody to, has to. It just so happens that that's the case. Hey, this fucking I'm guy. One lucky dude. <laughs> 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 Woo! Ooh, yeah, man. Yeah. So, but uh, this wasn't supposed to be an episode about aging wine, but uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, on my end of things, I mean, uh, 
thesis. We could always take that chunk and put it towards the Patreon yeah. if we wanted to, but I think it was a no. It was a useful discussion about about um, that aspect of Malbec. Yeah, no, it, Malbec is certainly one of those those varietals that like look, you can buy you can buy Kirkland Signature Malbec at Costco for I think seven dollars a bottle, maybe eight, and yeah. that wine is not bad now, and frankly, mm-hmm. will probably age pretty well for quite yeah. a while. Yeah. Plus, if you buy it and try to age it, you're out eight bucks, which I get that there are some people maybe listening to us where that's a, 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 a problematic consideration, but also you're paying, well, if that is the situation, don't pay for the Patreon, get in touch with us directly and, uh, we'll, we'll figure out how to let you listen to the Patreon episodes so that you can also buy that bottle of Kirkland signature, uh, Malbec. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to. Well, yeah, just Instagram message us, I guess, because that is the weird time that yep. we live in where, you know, and this is not like, like, I'm not trying to make any, like, one of the truly bizarre things about our era is that you can be in really sort of rough financial situation and have an iPhone, which is mm-hmm. just so baffling. Yeah, yeah. baby. Yeah, baby. Wish we're the little, we're the little back, back to my normal, my normal rent space. Nice. Uh, do you want to uh, want to cut this here and then do the the Patreon of the rest? I mean, yeah, 